Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm just happy everything is okay with him. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. Today's show is also brought to you by Jason Elson, today's Patreon sponsor. To thank you to Jason and thank you to everyone who has supported the show. If you want to become a Patreon sponsor, head across to patreon.com slash RedRock underscore Beeble. Um, only three games to talk about on Monday but Geez, it was uh, it was potentially the weirdest day in the NBA in a very, very long time. So we'll talk about that. And then we'll head into hopefully a more normal day on Tuesday where we've got nine games going. So let's get to it. To it. Uh, that is a very, very good idea. Let's start with the monstrous line of the night. And it is Anthony Davis of the New Orleans Pelicans. He didn't have to play the whole game to be the monstrous line of the night because he was huge. He was monstrous, in fact. 40 points and 18 rebounds for AD. Um, in just 29 minutes, he had two assists. He had three blocks. He went 14 of 22 from the field. He went 11 of 12 from the line, but he got hurt. And you can't blame Anthony Davis for this. I know that everyone will want to. I know that we'll get the Mr. Glass tweets. I've already seen them. They shit me to tears. That's that's probably number four on the things that shit me to tears today. But he got smashed by Kylo Quinn into the uh, into the stands, basically, on, on a layup attempt. He got smashed. Quinn got ejected. Yes, it, you know, Davis gets hurt. I, I know this, but he didn't dive after a ball into the stands. He didn't break down running. He got smashed. And it, it's a pain in the ass. I think Davis will be fine. I, I think that he misses one game. If that, I don't think there's any reason to panic. I don't think there's any reason to go and add... Uh, Terence Jones, it's an artist Montiunis because of this. It's a hip contusion. X-rays were negative. They don't play again until Thursday, the Pelicans, so I don't think there's too much to be worried about with Davis. His numbers have declined a little bit recently, averaging just 26.5 and 15 in the last two weeks, and that's good for 17th, but he's still the fourth-ranked player over the course of the season, so it's hard to be too down on him. And he still does have some room for improvement, given he's shooting under 50% for the season, and he, yeah, back in his... Heyday in 14-15, he was a 54% shooter. So he does have, and he was around that to start the year, but had a real horrible December in terms of shooting where he slumped significantly. So he does have some room to improve. And the last three games have been great, 32 and 17. He's been averaging on 55% shooting. So um, great stuff from Davis. It could have been a real, real monster had he not got uh, got hurt. And look, he probably, he was listed as questionable to return. He possibly could have come back in if the game wasn't an absolute shit show and uh, and, and a blowout. So I don't think there's too much to be worried about, thankfully, with Anthony Davis here. The waiver wire line of the night is, um, it, it's Brandon Jennings. Let's talk about what Jennings did first. 20 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 threes, 2 steals, 8 of 14 from the field. A fantastic night from Brandon Jennings. And he, he continues to average over 5 assists a game over over the course of the season. That is down to under four over the last two weeks. But the reason that the reason that Jennings was able to put up such a big performance here is because Derek Rose didn't turn up for the game. You've probably heard this by now, but Rose was not available. The Knicks just said he's not with the team. The Knicks d- didn't know. The Knicks didn't hear from him. He did not contact the Knicks. They could not contact Derek Rose. The players could not contact Derek Rose. Nobody had heard from him. So we're all confused. We're all worried about his, his safety. Now, it turns out that he is okay. Uh, that's what that quote at the start of the show was, that, that he's okay. But again, still nobody actually knows what is going on and why Derek Rose wasn't with the team. Obviously, an extraordinarily weird situation in New York. Players just don't not show up for for games. 
very weird stuff as well from the New York beat reporters who did not mention a single thing about Rose not being in the locker room or not being at shoot-around. They had no idea that he wasn't going to turn up for the game, but no one mentioned a, a whisper of him not being able to play. As for Jennings, I think that Rose could be subject to a suspension from the team, and that would make Jennings worthwhile for a couple of games. So I'd go and have a look. If you've got some superfluous garbage at the end of your roster, Jennings might be worth a look in that situation. But a couple of things I want to touch on with the Rose Rose situation. Fake accounts are the worst. You are absolute dipshits, people who, who have got fake accounts, people who... And there's one person... I don't want to give this person publicity because that's exactly what they're after. You can make jokes all you want. It's probably in bad taste when we don't know if a guy is actually healthy and, and okay and... To be honest, we don't know if we didn't know if he was alive at that point. That was that was the concern that we didn't know what was going on with Derek Rose to, to make these comments. But if you're going to do it, do it yourself. Don't don't make yourself into Adrian Wojnarowski. Change your name, change your Twitter picture, just so you can get retweets. It's it's the lowest of the low. This was the same person who changed themselves to David Aldridge the other day, talking about Kyle Korver crying on the court. It's just it's it's not funny. It's it's low. It's ridiculous, and it makes you look like you've got a one-inch penis. Just stop it. And it, and oh, there's no way that this person listens to this podcast, but if you do, grow a set of balls and stop being such a pussy. It is ridiculous to, to, to do this, to to change your picture to someone else, to try and imitate someone else, to get retweeted. What do you get? 100 internet points? It is absolutely ludicrous. The th- second thing, DFS conspiracy theorists. We didn't know that Derek Rose was out. Yes, the Knicks should have done a uh, Knicks reporters should have done a better job of telling us that he wasn't at shoot around. But literally, no one knew. We didn't withhold any information, and it gets tweeted to us at Basketball Monster. It gets tweeted to other DFS sites as well. You guys knew this is a, it's rigged. It's a conspiracy. It's not. Nobody knew. We knew at three past whatever the time was, seven thirty p.m. Eastern. 7.33, the news came out, and we tweeted it at 7.33, as soon as we heard the news come out from, from the Knicks PR department. I saw it come across Twitter. I went, what, what is going on? We had no idea. We don't withhold information. The Knicks beat reporters don't withhold information because they want to get their FanDuel lineups locked in with Brandon Jennings to win the cash. This is not what happens. If they did that, it'd be so easy to find out. Oh, look at, oh, look at you. You won all this cash. Oh, man, you, you work for the New York Post, the New York Daily News, and you happen to have Brandon Jennings in every one of your lineups, that's not fishy. It will be found out straight away. We didn't not report the Rose injury. We didn't know the Rose absence. We didn't know about it. Do you think that I would have had Rose in 50% of my lineups if I had have known about it? No. Stop with this shit. Play DFS because you enjoy it, not because you're, you're some sadistic bastard who just thinks that there's a conspiracy out to get you. It's just not the way things go. Oh, anyway... As for Jennings, as I said, he could be worth a look because I, I fear that Rose will have to miss some time. Now, I've absolutely no idea at the time. I'm recording this just after the last game's finished, so I don't know if anything more is coming out in the time that I'm talking. But you would have to think that Rose is going to miss a team-imposed suspension. If he's actually an issue that's going to cause him to miss time, you have to feel there'll be something missed from Derek Rose. The young gun of the night goes to Carl Anthony Towns. Of the Minnesota Timberwolves, nothing negative to talk about here. Towns was fantastic, 34-11, two triples, four assists, one steal and three blocks, 15 of 19 from the field. He dropped 20 points in the first quarter, so maybe you could say you're a little bit disappointed that he didn't go on with it. But this is Towns' eighth double-double in a row, so he's really cranking along in that department. Still not really getting up to the level that we hoped in the preseason. He's still ranked 20th on the season, and that comes from a 6% drop-off in his field goal percentage. It's a significant drop. And that's really impacting him. His block numbers have dropped as well. Yes, his threes have tripled. Yes, his um, assist numbers have risen by 50%. But it's not enough to, to make up that difference in his field goal percentage, which was a huge positive last year. And now it's just barely one, just marginally above average. And that's what's caused his... Um, yeah, poten- well, he hasn't... Well, he has dipped from last year because he was 17th last year and he is 20th. So he has dipped, but it, it's prevented his uh, ascent more than anything. If he gets that figured out, then we're talking about a guy who is a top 10 guy. But until the field goal percentage gets turned around, and that's what's affecting him, it's nothing else, it's his field goal percentage really that's affecting him. When that gets turned around, 
then we'll uh, then he'll be he'll be fine. But uh, another huge game and a massive start. We thought we were in for a, a real monster from Carl Anthony Towns. The dart of the night, Jim Butler. Jim, he was sick heading into the game. We didn't know if he was going to play. Um, he ended up playing, obviously. We did find out this before lock. So, again, conspiracy theorists, the news was out there beforehand. He played, but he was clearly not right. One point, two rebounds, seven assists on zero of six field goal attempts. And it wasn't just that he was bad. He just looked so out of it, so sluggish, so not involved offensively. He didn't take a shot until midway through the second quarter. I have real doubts that Jim Butler actually plays uh, in their back-to-back on Tuesday. He just looks so out of it. Now, we can say that Jim Butler's an Iron Man. We hear this all the time from people, despite the fact that he misses 20 games a year, and that's fine. He does try to push through stuff as much as possible, but it is it was not a great it was not a great outing, and he just looked out of it. And I get the feeling that he may miss Tuesday as well. As for Jim this year, he's the 13th ranked player on the season. He's 10th over the last two weeks, and I do anticipate his assist numbers starting to rise. They're up to 4.6 this year. I think that they can hit five by the end of the year, just with him having more ball handling duties. But obviously, nights like tonight don't really help. But that's just what happens. There's illnesses all around the NBA at the moment. It's very, very. It's like it's like they almost. Mix in the same circles. Maybe that's the case. Who knows? And if you don't know what I mean, you, I'll, uh, I'll let you know later on. Let's talk. Let's talk about the games. Let's get into them. Let's break them down in a little bit more detail. The first one: New Orleans Pelicans and the New York Knicks. Bud Heald, twenty-seven minutes, eleven, four, and three. But importantly, from Heald here, the three assists are great. Three steals and three triples. And the minutes back to 27. So he'd had two games in a row of 30, then dipped down to 24, now back to 27. I still don't think that Heald is a must-own 12-team league guy. I don't even think he's necessarily a speculative 12-team ad, but he can he can be added. I think he's more a 14-team league guy, just because his upside's not all that high. The big positive, though, for the Pelicans, to me, is Tyreek Evans playing 21 minutes, the most for the season, 12-2-4 for Tyreek with two triples. It's very hard to ignore him if he's around on a waiver wire. While Donatus Motiunas in his second game actually went backwards, didn't play. He played 20 in the first one, just 16 here, and that's a game that Anthony Davis left early. 3-4-3 three, and three for Motiunas with two steals, while Terrence Jones played 14 minutes, 11-3, 1-1. And this is the perfect illustration of the Donatus Motiunas terrence Jones situation. Motiunas is the better player. Motiunas will play more minutes, but he is a far inferior fantasy producer. So Jones puts up more numbers in less minutes, and that's just what happens. Motiunas requires 30 minutes, 28 minutes to become a solid top 100 guy. Jones can do it in 24. Um... But the way that their talents are is that Monte Yunus will get those big minutes and Jones will play you know, limited behind him, but it's probably enough to limit both of them to not be 12-team league guys. In fact, I'd have them both as 14-teamers and Jones barely a 14-team league guy. Drew Holiday, he didn't have to play much. 25 minutes, 9, 4, and 7. No one had to play much, really. And even Tim Frazier got off the bench. He played junk time with Czech Diallo. They both played five minutes. For the Knicks, Brandon Jennings I spoke about already, but it enabled Ron Baker to get some extra playing time. Baker had played basically the entire fourth quarter of the last two games. He got 25 minutes here, 6, 7, and 4 with a steal, and he's clearly in favor with Jeff with Jeff Hornacek. Um, it's not Sasha Vujicic, which is absolutely fantastical. The Vujicic did play 10 minutes, but when that compares to the 25 of Ron Baker, it makes you happy. And he, he's showing something at the moment. That's a real deep league cut. It's a 30-team league, maybe a 20-team leaguer. And he does have Rose and Jennings in front of him. But if Rose is determined to be out for a long time, then Baker's value rises. It, it does become interesting in maybe 16-team leagues, especially if he's going to get 20-plus minutes a night. Mallow got himself ejected in this one, along with Kylo Quinn, 18-6 and six with two triples in 26 minutes. Mallow was going well. While, uh, while O'Quinn had two points in his 13 minutes. So the center situation, still no um, clarification, but we don't know if the limited minutes were due to the blowout. It's really hard to get a gauge on it. 18 minutes for Noah, 4 and 10. Cock had 13, and Billy Hernan Gomez had 13. So it's very hard to get a full grasp on what's happening with that center situation. Porzingis played just the 24. Courtney Lee played 28 for five points, and Justin Holiday had nine points in his 21 minutes. All in all, a horrible, horrible performance for the New York Knicks, but I guess uh, that's, that is what it is when you're the Knicks. 
The Dallas Mavericks and the Minnesota Timberwolves. The pencil Harrison Barnes had another 30 with four triples. He doesn't do much in the other categories, but he's efficient and he scores and that has a ton of use. And let's talk Dirk. Dirk has to be owned everywhere. 31 minutes, 26, 5 and 4 with five triples. Very efficient. I talked about this in the last game that the minutes are fine. He is ready to roll and he rolled. And Darren Williams had 11, 2 and 7. A bit of a bounce back after a couple of poor performances. Andrew Bogut strained his hamstring and was unable to return, but Seth Curry had started for him in the second half anyway. Curry played 30 minutes. He had eight points, two threes, a steal, and a block. There are a lot of people who are very pro-Seth Curry, and I like Seth Curry. I think he's a good player. I think he can be a good fantasy producer. I just don't see the path for him getting these sort of minutes on a regular basis. JJ Barea is still easing his way back. He played 14 minutes and went 0-2-4. and four. And nothing Curry has done this season that makes me think, yeah, he is absolutely flying and he is, he is well above where Berea is. And uh, and I don't think that you know, Carlisle is going to start going to him in big minutes. I don't think that he is worth a look in 12-team leagues. If Bogut has to miss time, it's going to be Salah Mejri, who gets the majority of the minutes until foul trouble sinks him. And then Dirk will play some five. They'll move Dorian Finney-Smith into more minutes at the three, and Dwight Powell will get some extra run. Mejri, Powell, DFS don't have any benefit in 12-team leagues, and they're barely 14-team leagues. Wes Matthews was horrid, two points in 37 minutes for four rebounds and five assists. He started off the season disgustingly, picked it up, and is now he's now shitting on your table, basically. For the Timberwolves, I talked about Townsy already. Rick Rubio was ridiculously good, 30 minutes for Rick, 13, 5, and 15 with five steals, seven of seven from the line. This is exactly why you drafted Ricky Rubio, and there were some hard times earlier on, but some big, big nights have been coming for him recently. Zachy Levine suffered a hip contusion. It was the flavor of the night. Five, six, and five for Levine in his 29 minutes, while Wigo was um, was horrible. 13 and four, five of 11 shooting, but three of six from the line. No assists, no threes, no steals, no blocks. This guy is just super frustrating. And... You just look at it and just think, when's it going to change? And it just feels like it never will. It looks like it gets better, and then it regresses. He's still a guy that you have to own, but man, he just does just does so much negative stuff. Gorgie Jeng played 25 minutes, 12 and 5. Not a lot else happening there for Gorgie. It wasn't his best night. And if if Zach happens to miss time, I think we're going to... Well, I know we're going to see more Nemanja Bielitsa. He played 29 minutes in this one, went 3-5-2, and two, pushing Wiggins down to the two. You'll also see a little bit more Shabazz Muhammad, who had 11 points in 20 minutes. But I wouldn't say that any of those guys are a useful 12-team league guys. You might look at Bielitsa in the short term. If, um, if Levine happens to miss, you might look at him in a 14-team league. But I reckon that's probably about it for him. The last game of the night was another blowout. The Oklahoma City Thunder and the Chicago Bulls. Russ Westbrook just missed the triple-double, 21-9 and 14, a steal and a three. Another big night and did it on 50% shooting, which is obviously fantastic. But the big story to me is the play of the big men, Ennis Cantor and Steve Adams. It's always good playing against the Bulls as big men, but Cantor did well. 20-11 and 11 in 28 minutes with three assists and some really pretty passes and great efficiency, while Steve Adams went 22-5-2 and two with a block in 36 minutes. Now, Adams feels like he's going to entrench himself in the top 50 from here moving moving on forward. Well, Cantor had that little odd stretch where he was playing 13, 14 minutes a night, but now he's locking in at 23, 24, even going up to 28, as we saw tonight, which is obviously helping his value. It was a blowout, so minutes were a little tough for some of the players. Vic Oladipo just got the 25, 13, 2, and 2, while Andre Robertson filled the stat sheet. Didn't fill it much, but filled it. 8, 2, and 2 with a steal and a block for Robertson. Curiously, Billy Donovan pre-game said, you know, we're going to put a limit on Cameron Payne's minutes. We won't play him more than 25. Like, Bill, no one thought you'd play him 25. And that really, that that was curious to me. He's going to have a 25-minute limit. Like, under no circumstance was anybody thinking Cameron Payne's playing 25 minutes. But now I am. Now I'm thinking, okay, how are they going to use him? Are they going to start playing him as in a three-guard rotation? It was a very curious comment. In the end, he played just 15 minutes. Payne went 0 of 6 for 4 boards and 3 assists. But that comment got me thinking, and got me thinking a lot. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what to, um, what to make of that. But he is a definite watch guy. He's a 16-teamer at the moment. Maybe sneaks into 14-team leagues. For the Bulls, Dwayne Wade had 22, 4, and 6. A good night for him, while Michael Carter-Williams was the second leading scorer with 15 points in 24 minutes. And Rajon Rondo did not play once again 
in his bobblehead night now. I still get questions. Do I drop Rajon Rondo in standard leagues? Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, if you're listening. Yes, of course you do. He should have been dropped. As soon as they said we're benching him, he was done. That That's it for him. Um, that that's He had to be dropped in that situation. But I still get the questions. I should have hold on. No, you should not. He needs to go. He's gone. He's done. He's finished. He's, he's toast. I talked about Chris Felizio in the last couple of podcasts, and he was great again. 11 of 11, three steals. He's very efficient, five of six from the field. Robin Lopez was terrible. Taj Gibson was all right. Nick Muritich was horrifically bad. Um, Felizio is coming up. I like to grab him in a 14-teamer, and I would definitely be watching in 12s. Lopez in 12-team leagues, he can go. Three and four he had in 26 minutes. He's he's done. There's no point in holding on to him. And this is the Doug McDermott that worries me because everyone was on the Doug McDermott, let's add him board. This is Doug McDermott, seven points in 25 minutes with two rebounds. No assists, no steals, no blocks. This is the Doug McDermott we've come to know and love. And that's why I hesitated in labeling him as a must-add player. Despite the success they'd had with that lineup, he's generally not a good fantasy contributor. Nick Miritich, I like Nick Miritich as a player, but he was disgraceful. And that pump fake three where he tried to draw the the offensive, uh, sorry, the um the foul, then he got charged for an offensive foul. Good. Because I, I, I maintain that every time that a player draws someone in the air and then they jump at that player, it should be an offensive foul. Don't care what the don't care what the rule is. The rule needs to change. If you are if your primary attempt is to jump into someone, it is a foul on you. It, it, it should be as straight. And you can tell every single time when they're doing it, they are not going up in a normal shot motion. It should be as simple as can be for the ref to say, "It's not a shot. That's on you. You drew contact. You attempted to get the contact. You jumped straight into that player deliberately. You initiated the contact. That is on you." And Miritich's one was the worst example I've ever seen, and I'm glad they called it. It needs to be called every single time. And that's the only way you stop this bullshit Lou Williams, James Harden, who does it a bit less. Yeah, this bullshit, Dwayne Wade's a king of it as well, of jumping into players when they're in the air. It needs to stop. It is, it's an embarrassment, to be honest. It's an, it's an embarrassment. Watching it, you just go, come on, like, what is this shit? And that's not what you should be doing when you're watching a game. That's it. That's that's the three games done. Take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to uh, to transition into Tuesday's games, preview those. There are nine of them, so we'll be back in a sec. All right, guys, we're back. Let's talk perfect lineups. We'll start with, and and by perfect lineups, I mean I hope hopefully you didn't play big volumes, and today the, the slate was shit until the Derek Rose injury. It was shit before the Derek Rose absence happened. It was it was shit before the Jimmy Butler no-show. It was shit before the Carmelo Anthony ejection, and it got worse. So hopefully you really took the advice that I did mention today on Twitter and on the podcast yesterday to play a much lower volume if you if you okay there were plenty of professional DFS guys that just said I'm not playing at all look that's how bad this slate is and that would have been pretty solid advice I, I cut my exposure down significantly and yeah it still was not a great night on FanDuel Brandon Jennings had 34 and Rick Rubio 48.5 shooting guards Bud Heald 26.3 and Dwayne Wade 36.8 the pencil 32.9 and Andre Robertson yes Andre Robertson made it into the perfect lineup with a score of 16.4 power forwards Anthony Davis 70.6 Ennis Cantor 38.7 and Carl Towns at 58.2 that lineup was 362.4 and you could have assembled it using $56,500 leaving $3,500 on the table do not expect that to be a common occurrence. On DraftKings, Brandon Jennings, he went for 37.25. Dwayne Wade, 38.5. The Pencil, 33.5. Tony Davis, 73.5. Ennis Cantor, 41.25. Rubio at 50.25. Carl Towns at 62.75. And Chris Felizio at 33.25 for a total of 370.25. And that was 49,800. So just the 200 under over there on DraftKings. Let's get into these nine games now. The first one we look at is the Chicago Bulls. There is no spread released for this one currently. We assume, or not we assume, Dwayne Wade is not playing in this game. He is out on a back-to-back. Jim Butler and Denzel Valentine are both questionable. Now, I put Butler as questionable because the illness clearly impacted him today. He wasn't able to finish the game. Now, some of that was because it was a blowout, but backing up on a second night of a back-to-back he, he might be limited, but even so, even if he plays, I wouldn't be going anywhere near him. 
Valentine's an interesting one because someone's going to have to take Wade's minutes. It'll be McDermott starting, but someone then has to take McDermott's bench minutes. And Valentine's the guy that fits that role perfectly. So we want to look to see if he's out. Otherwise, that means Jaron Grant comes in and he starts to have yeah an, an increased uh, impact. Um, point guards. Jaron Grant at 3,600. Touched on him already. You know, if, if Valentine is out, I do like Grant. I think he's going to get some run in the 20s anyway. But if uh, if Valentine is out, he uh, he becomes much more appealing. Now the matchup's not a great one for him, but at 3600, he's a GPP only. He is a GPP option though. Michael Carter Williams. There aren't many other cheap point guard options around either. So he he becomes a, a, an interesting player who had 15 points today, as I mentioned, in 31 minutes, and he could see himself getting more playing time. Actually, no, he didn't have 31. Uh, sorry, 31 minutes. I can see him getting around 30 to 31 minutes in in today's game. So um, today being Tuesday, days always confuse me. So I can see Carter Williams being an option there with Wade out and with Butler potentially limited. So they are two players to take a look at. On the other side, Johnny Wall's at 9,500. Not only is Johnny Wall a good player, but now he takes on the Bulls who uh, are in trouble. They're missing key players and their point guard defense has not been ideal. He's at 9,500. If you're spending up on a point guard, he is one of the best ones to go for. So I do like John Wall at, at that price point in particular. Over on DraftKings, is a little less appealing where he's at 9,900, but it doesn't mean that he's not usable over there either. Trey Burke is unusable. Shooting guards, Brattles Beal, 6,900. Giggity! Um, not many great shooting guards out in the slate here either, but I like him on both sides where he's at 64 on DraftKings and 69 over on FanDuel. He's been putting up good numbers, averaging 33 over the last three. And if you get 33 or 34 out of him, especially for cash, I reckon you're feeling pretty good with Beal at that salary, and the matchup's a, a, a big positive for him also. So it's a good spot for him, especially with no Dwayne Wade on the other side. Shoulder McClellan will get the backup minutes, but it won't be enough to really even justify minimum salary. Uh, Denzel Valentine would be the one to have a look at. If Butler happens to be out, he's at 3,800, but that is strictly a GPP-type situation. Dougie McDermott at 4,000. He's at 4,000 on uh, on Fangio. He's at 4,400 on DraftKings, which is not all that appealing. But he's definitely an okay guy to have a look at in a GPP, especially with Wade out. Um, I would have no issue with using him, but just remember that what we saw from him today is what he can do. He's not going to contribute in all those other categories, which he had done a little bit of in the previous couple of games. That's just not what he does as a general rule. Otto Porter at 6,000. I like Otto Porter here. Really hard to go past him, I believe. He's at 6,200 on DraftKings, which is still... It's higher. But it's still not a complete write-off. I think that he can absolutely be used. He's got a 33.5 average over the last three games and taking on a Bulls team that could be Sons Butler and will be Sons Wade. So there's going to be some openings there. As for Butler, he's priced at 9600 on Fangel and 9500 on DraftKings. I would have no um no interest in him whatsoever. So I don't even know why I bothered even talking that much about him. Kelly Ubre has been putting up some decent numbers. He's 3,700, absolutely a GPP play. Put up 26 in the last game. If there's any hint of a blowout, which there could be if the Bulls are missing these guys, you might see 25, 27 minutes out of Ubre. That could get you 25 to 27 points, which at 3,700 is the sort of upside that you want in a GPP lineup. Power forwards, Markeith Morris dropped 37 in the last game. He's at 5,100. He'd been a bit under recently, but I like him here. I like the matchup. No issue with Markeith. I think he's one of the better plays out there. Whereas Nick Miritich, who was horrendous today, I reckon he can have a bounce-back performance. Um, always a risky cash game guy, but not not a horrendous one. Obviously, there's there's something to be said for using him. While Taj had, at 4,700 is just underwhelming to me. I would not want to use him in a GPP. I might consider it in cash, but still not keen. Center Marching Gortat, 6,400. He gets the boost of playing the Bulls, so that's great for him. The minutes are fine. The production's been a little bit low, but I feel absolutely okay with saying he is a solid cash game center, Gortat. Robin Lopez is not, and Chris Felicio at minimum salary is absolutely a GPP guy to take a look at. Gortat on DraftKings is even better. He's at 5,900. Uh, Felizio over there is minimum. So I'd love that. Love the minimum Felizio in a GPP because yeah, he could very, and he's got 20 plus minutes the last two games. Yeah, you could get high 20s in minutes for Felizio, get 25 points out of him. He's efficient. He rebounds. Yeah, really, really like him as a, as a really cheap punt option type of a player. 
Let's move into the next game. Thankfully, no these other none of these other teams apart from the Bulls are on a back-to-back, so we don't have that to worry about. Boston and Toronto. The Raptors are favored by four and a half, and the total is 218 points here. Let's talk point guards. We've got two good ones here, Kyle Lowry and Isaiah Thomas. They're both priced fairly highly, though, so that's something you're going to have to pay attention to. If we look at their, their pricing, Isaiah Thomas is at 8,900 on Fangio. Yeah, not, not bad. 91 on DraftKings. That's pushing it to me, that 9,100, especially in a matchup against Lowry, who's quite a negative force for point guards. Thomas does not have the greatest record against Lowry. So if I'm taking one of these guys, it won't be Thomas. It's uh, it's likely to be it's likely to be Lowry. Now he's at 8,800 on Fangio. He's coming off a pretty stinking game against Houston. He's got a good record against Boston. He's at 8,200 on DraftKings, which makes him super appealing and probably a better option than John Wall over on DraftKings. But I would take Wall over him on Fangio. But absolutely, to me, he is a better option than Thomas. Everything is is moving in his favor. Cheaper price, better matchup, and honestly, better player. So he he would be the guy that I I would take a look at here. Avery Bradley is out. In the last game that that happened, Marcus Smart dropped 40. He's at 5,200. I wouldn't be expecting 40, but I think there's every chance that he gets over 25. The matchup is is a negative for Smart here, but that doesn't mean that you need to steer clear. Now, he's had a $1,300 price rise on DraftKings, which is horrible, and that puts him at 5,800, and that that is not ideal. I still think that there is some use in it, but in a nine-game slate, I'd rather not take the bloke who's potentially $800 overpriced. Corey Joseph, Terry Rozier, no thanks for those guys. Shooting guards, DeMar DeRozan, he's at $9,000. That's a $400 price rise on Fangio, which is not impressive. He's at 83 on DraftKings. I much like it. I much uh, Try that again. I like it much more on DraftKings, where he's averaging 48 over the last three. I feel pretty good about him getting 40-plus over there. Whereas on Fangio at 9000 I still feel good about him getting 40-plus, but at not that's not really going to cut it at 9,000. He wants 45, 46 plus, and I'm just not sure he's going to get there. But the matchup is positive. He is averaging 46 over the last three, so he's not someone to count out. He's been fairly consistent. So depending on how you're distributing your cash, he, he's a fine guy to have a look at. Don't think that he's the best option out there. Interesting to see what the Raptors do in terms of the Norm Powell starting lineup, whether they start Norm again. He's at minimum salary on Fangio, and on uh, DraftKings, he's at 3,800. So on Fangio, on a GPP, if they say he's starting and, and the Celtics might run small, which they do at times, I can see him being value at 3,500, and he would become a very interesting player in a GPP pool. I'm not a big Damari Carroll fan. I'm not sure if you've, you've gathered that, but he's at 3,800. He's played big minutes in three consecutive games, and he dropped 37 points in the last game. Sure, the previous two games were really bad, but this matchup is is a positive one for for small forwards going up against the Celtics. So, you know, why wouldn't why wouldn't you have a crack at Demar Carroll at 3800? I wouldn't expect the sort of performance he put up against Houston, but at 38 on Fangio at 42 on DraftKings, he's really hard to go past. Jay Crowder, on the other hand, I don't think he is that good, and he has definitely been underperforming, averaging just 22 over the last five. The matchup is somewhat of a negative, but at five thousand dollars, that's not a big chunk of money. Um, 5,200 on DraftKings is less appealing, but 5,000 on Fangio is not a big chunk. I can totally, I, I can totally feel him being someone, um, you know, someone worth looking at. I think that he's a, I think he's a fairly solid play at at that uh, at that price point. 39 for Terry Ross, mm, GPPs only for Ross. Good matchup though, but he's a GPP only sort of a player. Power forwards, Pat Pat, no, he just doesn't do it for me. Amir Johnson at 41. I don't, I'm not totally against him here. Johnson is at 41 on both sides. The minutes have been really consistent. He's actually averaging 24 across his last three games on DraftKings and 22 on Fangio, which at 4,100 is okay. The matchup, though, is a bit of a negative, so it probably turns me off him on these sides with these salaries. But if he was a cheaper guy, like 3,800, then I would feel a lot more better. That was a bad sentence. I'd feel, I would feel better about looking at Amir Johnson in those situations. Jonas Valanciunas. Not sure this is a great spot for him. He's at 5,100, but he's very he's very much subject to Casey's fickle nature. So he would be a GPP-only guy despite that salary looking appealing. 52 on DraftKings, the same thing. I think you just look at him as a, as a GPP type of center. While Bebe Noguera, really limited in the last game. If they don't start him, uh, again, I would feel not comfort, comf, confident in using him. Let's check the Al Horford price discrepancy. 7,400 
over on Fangio, 67 on DraftKings. The same story. Like it on DraftKings at 6,700. Don't like it on Fangio at 7,400. And that's the way that I basically approach approach every Celtics game when talking about uh, talking about Al Horford. Kelly Olynyk at 3,700. Yeah, Olynyk, you'd be surprised that he's averaging 22 over the last three. 3,700, 22 gets it done. GPPs only, but a name that I reckon would have very low ownership, and he just needs just needs something to go right for him. He just needs, hey, you have 26 minutes here today, Cali. And Stevens can do that at any time, but there's no trust in it. There's no, there's no ability for you to say, I know this is happening because Brad Stevens doesn't know what he's doing half the time with those minutes in the front court. Atlanta and Brooklyn. The Hawks are favored by seven, and the total is 214 points. Um, Mike Dunleavy is reporting to the team. There will be no um, no buyout at this point. I don't think that really impacts too much, though. DeAndre Bembry is out of this game, and for the Nets, Trevor Booker is listed as questionable. Again, let's talk point guard. So I guess going by recent things with Kenny Atkinson, whichever point guard doesn't start will play the most minutes. Who knows whether that's an actual thing that happens, but it has happened for three consecutive games, which has included three consecutive point guard changes, um, where you, you, let's change the starter and then play the backup more minutes. So maybe there's something to see there. Spencer Dinwiddie is at 3,900. He put up 20 points in the last game in 25 minutes. The matchup is very, very appealing. We know how good it is to play against Atlanta point guards. That is cheap. Dinwiddie is the better player out of him and Whitehead. He is the better fantasy contributor, and he would absolutely be a GPP point guard that I would consider using on Fangio. And and I don't think he's a terrible option on DraftKings at 35. In fact, I think he's a good, a good option on DraftKings as well. But there's a lot of risk associated. Dennis Schroeder, if there's anything that's better than playing the Hawks as a point guard, it's playing the Nets. So Schroeder, who comes in at 6,900, he has been averaging 33 over the last three, which is almost where it needs to be. Um, and you should feel pretty good about him getting 35 or so here. 6,700 on DraftKings, again, not a bad price, a great matchup, absolutely no problem with considering, Sch- considering Schroeder a cash game and a and a GPP target. Really think that he's got value. Whitehead and Delaney. You could take a punt on Whitehead, but that's about it. Shooting guards. Sean Kilpatrick at 4,100. It's been getting nothing done. I'm not willing to get back onto that bandwagon. While Timmy Hardaway at 45. His numbers look good, but that's a $400 price rise, and that puts him out of cash play to me, but it, it firmly puts him in GPP mode. He is averaging 21 over the last five, which isn't enough at 4,500, but he can easily drop 35, as we've seen him do recently. So that puts him firmly in the GPP conversation. He's at 46 on DraftKings, which is a $600 price rise. Again, that's really tough to deal with in cash, but I think that in uh, in a GPP situation, it's absolutely fine. Small forwards, there's there's a lot here, and there, there's a lot and there's nothing at the same time. Tarbo's at 4,100, very risky, not much upside. And Boyan Bogdanovich at 4,200 has been playing well, has been playing consistently well, but there's no way that you can look at him in cash. And on DraftKings, he's at 4,900, which takes away most of his GPP upside as well. On FanDuel, he's a GPP. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, not getting enough minutes. Kent Bazemore, terrible. But Bazemore's at 4,400. On uh, on DraftKings, uh, sorry, on FanDuel, he's at 4,300 on DraftKings. And if you're looking for a cheap small forward, absolutely no issue with taking a look at at Bazemore because he will have this occasional big game. It'll follow up with five terrible ones, but he can have an occasional big game. And this is not the toughest of matchups, so absolutely consider Bazemore a GPP type of player. Karis Levert at 36, I think he should be in your GP pool. But, oh, I'm struggling with words today. I think he should be in your GPP pool as well, 3,400 on DraftKings. Probably not a high-priority sort of guy, but someone to, to consider if they're going to continue to extend his minutes, and he's got over 20 the last couple of games. Shout-out to ESPN. Karis LeVert is not a power forward. They've still got him listed as a power forward. He should no longer... He, he should never have been a power forward. not really sure how you get that wrong, nor Willie Reed as a small forward. At power forward, Mike Muscala at 3,600. I No thanks. Trevor Booker at 54 has been playing fairly well, but I don't want to spend 5,400 on Trevor Booker, especially considering we don't know if he's going to play, considering he's questionable. Love Paul Millsap at 8,100. It is expensive. It's 78 on DraftKings. Again, it is expensive, but Millsap is now no longer on the trade block, according to 
who was it? Was it Woj that tweeted it? I think it was Woj that tweeted it, that he is no longer on the trade block. Um, I think that Millsap comes out with a fairly big game here and should approach 40 points. I reckon he can get to that, and he feels almost as rock solid as any high-priced uh, power forward that's happening. Any other power forwards here? Well, by the way, Anthony Bennett got waived by the Nets so they could sign Quincy Acey to a 10-day contract. Sounds like a smart use of resources. At centre, Dwight Howard, 7,600. Great matchup for Dwight. Had 40 in the last one. No problem with using Dwight here at all. He's at 7,500 on DraftKings, and that was a 43-point game in the last one. No issue. I think Dwight is a very, very good play here. Brooke Lopez, yeah, probably not. $7,000 for Lopez, which is a cheap price. Um, 6,600 on DraftKings, even cheaper. But the Howard matchup is a negative. It's a big negative. And, and Brooks' numbers have been just a little bit under recently. So I don't really think that he is a, a, a superb guy to take a look at here. Let's move on to the next game. It is the Charlotte Hornets and the Houston Rockets. The Rockets are favored by 9.5 and the total is 223.5 points. Cody Zeller is questionable with an illness, and Nick Batum is doubtful with his knee, whereas the Rocket side of things, Eric Gordon has a sprained big toe. So a couple of situations to look at there. If Zeller is out, it's all about Spencer Hawes. If Batum is out, which is what we're assuming, then it's Jeremy Lamb. If Gordon is out, well, there's no one really really to fill in there. Corey Brewer gets some of those minutes. Tyler Ennis gets maybe a little bit extra, but none of them are going to impact DFS. It'll just mean more for Pat Bev. It'll mean a little bit more for Jimmy Harden, and those guys will take, pick up the rest of the slack, but it won't be enough to really impact a roster. Point guards. 5,900 for Pat Bev. Um, well, let's start with DraftKings. He's at 5,600 on DraftKings. I really like it over there. It's a great matchup for him. He's averaging 30 over the last three. I think that he can get close to that again. On Fangel at 59, it makes it a little bit tougher, and I'm probably a little bit more hesitant about using him there, but again, the matchup is really, really good, and he's been consistently positive. So uh, in play, but not the best guy out there on the Fangel side, but love him on DraftKings. Kemba's at 8300 Not only is there a $700 price rise on Kemba Walker on Fangel, and he's at 8000 already on DraftKings, that he now takes on Patrick Beverly, which we know is a nightmare for point guards. So you're you're hoping that you're hoping that Walker can get 43 44 45 points and it just feels like it's going to be a stretch against the Rockets so no thanks for Kemba shooting guards Jeremy Lamb is what it's all about here 4000 points had 28 in the last game i imagine a similar sort of level of production well at least enough to exceed 20 points so he is a guy that i would definitely be looking to build lineups around now on draftkings it's a little bit harder cuz he has risen by 1100 up to 5100 but that's still not enough to to steer me away for Jeremy Lamb i think he can be useful on both sides Jimmy Harden at 11700 he we know who Jim Harden is. You're you're getting 50. You're getting 55 plus here. The matchup is absolutely beautiful. Really hard to go past Jim. He's at 12-1 on DraftKings. Doesn't mean he's not usable over there as well. Ballinelli might get some extra run, but he hasn't really gotten big performances since he returned from his ankle injury. He would be just a GPP type of play at the moment. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist at 4,800 is a small forward. He gets extra run with Batum out. He had 28 in the last game. He's at 4,800. I actually don't mind Kid Gilchrist. I think he's a, a low-owned, moderate upside, not high upside player that might sneak into a GPP, but I wouldn't have full confidence in it. While Trevor Ariza is at 5,800. The matchup for him is okay. Um, it, it's, it's okay. I don't think he's a great player. Just one thing on Harden, though. If Kid Gilchrist defends him, which I expect, it might make things a little bit tough for Jim, but still don't think it's a. It doesn't. It doesn't really change my mind that he is someone I want to use. But it is something to consider. Just if you're having any doubts about Harden, throw that Michael Kid Gilchrist defense on him and see how that. Um, see how that works out. Power forward Ryan Anderson, five thousand two hundred. He's always a GPP guy, and that's it. Um, hasn't been great of late, and hasn't been able to live up to a five thousand two hundred dollars salary. So he is not someone that I'm uh, that I'm overly keen on. If we look at him on DraftKings, he's a little bit better at 5100, but still I'd only be looking in GPPs. Marvin Williams at 46, that feels too high. Uh, Frank the Tank, he had one big game and then he goes back and does nothing. Such is life with Frank. But if if Cody Zeller is out, then 3900 for Frank makes him a GPP option. I've already touched on Spencer Hawes in that situation. 
Um, the table, Montrez Harrell is a center now. He's at 5,300. He had 35 in the last game. That sort of performance isn't realistic, but I think he can exceed $5,300 worth of value on DraftKings. He's at the same price, same story. I think he's worth a look. He's, his value is dipping just because of the salary increase, but he still does have some use. Cody Zeller at 49. If he plays, I'd really like Zeller, but we don't know if he's playing at this point. So that obviously makes him a little bit of a risky pick just at this point. All right, let's move on to the next game. Who are we looking at now? The Milwaukee Bucks, they take on the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are favored by 10, and the total is 205.5 points. Mike Beasley, Rashad Vaughn, and Yanni Antetokounmpo, they're all listed as probable. Let's hope that they all play, especially Yanni. Let's talk point guards. Tone Parker had a real turn in the last one. He's at 4,700. The matchup is horrific. He is strictly a GPP type of a guy, Parker. I would not have any faith in him at all. Pat Mills, Matt Delavadova, no. Brogo's the point guard we want to look at here. He's at 4,800, so it's not a significant salary rise, so that's always a good thing. Um, we look at him on DraftKings at 5,400. It's probably a little bit tougher to use him against the Spurs, but 4,800 on Fangio, absolutely fine with considering Brogdon. Not the, this is not the best option in terms of games in general, um, and Brogdon's fine if you want to go cheap at point guard, but, but he's, not, um, he's not awesome. He's not a must-play at that increased salary, but did have a good game in the last one, so definitely consider him. Shooting guard, Yanni at 10,100. Well, we hope that he's fine. We hope that he's not ill anymore. The matchup is not perfect for him against the Spurs, and that worries me a little bit. I like that he's down to 9,700 on DraftKings. That makes me really interested in him. Under 10,000 for under Kumpo. Really be keen on using him on DraftKings if we get word that he's playing. 10,100 on Fangio is fine. If, you're, if you are scared of that Kid Gilchrist defense on Harden, you can pivot across to Yanni and hopefully get your 50 and save you know, 1,100 or oh, not $1,100, $1,500. I think that was the price difference. Just got news as I'm recording. Woj has just tweeted something. Derek Rose has sent text messages to friends reiterating that he is okay, league sources told. Still unclear where he is. All right, so that has just literally come out, tweeted from Woj now. Again, you might be listening to this later in the podcast form and uh, have more information than me, but that has literally just come through as, um, as we're recording. Dan Green at 3700 I have no ability to trust that. Manu at 3,900. Yeah, nothing, not even a high enough upside to consider Manu. Kawhi at 8,300, probably the best option on this uh, in this entire game. He's at 8,300, as I mentioned. The matchup for him is a good one. Uh, he's been a little bit down, but not horribly. 36 average over the last five. He's at 7,900 on DraftKings. Absolutely fine to consider him on, on both sides. Tone Snell, no. Mirza Toledovic, Mick Beasley, no. Power forward, Jabari, killing it. 6,900. He had 52 points in the last game. I really like Jabari. Now, the matchup is not perfect against LaMarcus Aldridge. It's somewhat of a negative. But at 6,900, I can just totally see using Jabari. Now, on DraftKings at 7,300, probably not as keen. But he is putting up good numbers over there as well. I just don't feel as confident with him at that extra price on his salary. Dave Lee, no. LaMarcus Aldridge, 7,700. Positive matchup for him. Averaging 38 across the last three, 36 across the last five, but I, I just don't feel confident at 7,700. On DraftKings at 7,000, I feel much better. He's averaging almost 40 across the last three, but remember, his last seven games have resulted in over 50% shooting and six of those at over 60%. So some of his numbers have been on completely unsustainable shooting numbers, so that will, will drop him down a bit. I, I don't have him as a high-priority player on uh, on Tuesday's slate. At center, Pau Gasol, 6,400. Big men against the Bucks, it's on. So I love Pau here at 6,400. Just with the minutes, though, that limits him probably to a GPP guy. But he's 5,600 on DraftKings, which is fantastic. 5,600 on DraftKings makes him even cash playable to me. 6,400 on, on FanDuel probably leaves him as a GPP guy, but I do love it. Greg Munro has been killing it. He's at 6,000 bucks, but this is a, a significantly negative matchup for him. He is averaging 39 across the last three, but... Yeah, pick and rolls here with Lamarcus, pick and pops with Pow as well could really limit him. I think that this is a time to fade Greg Munro, especially with that increased salary. This is not the time for me to really get too overly invested in him. Dwayne Dedman had a big game in the last one that was really fluky. As much as I think Dedman's a good player, that was a fluky performance. 
Let's move on to the next game. It's Cleveland. They're taking on the Utah Jazz. We have got the Cavs favored by three on the road, and the total is 202. Kyle Korver, unlikely that he plays in this one, so I wouldn't be expect. He wouldn't. I wouldn't be expecting him to have a DFS impact anyway. And the blokes he's going to take minutes off: DeAndre Liggins, Iman Shumpert. I don't expect them to have much of, of an impact, regardless. Let's start talking point guards. Georgie Hills at six thousand five hundred. Um, he's back. He's getting through games. Six thousand five hundred's a, a fair chunk. So I'm not I'm not a hundred percent all in on George Hill uh, at this uh, at that price. But the matchup makes him a GPP option. As for Kyrie, well, he takes on the Jazz defense. He takes on George Hill, which is not not a great situation. So I think Kyrie is a faded 8,100. I would rather take a guy like Kyle Lowry, as I mentioned earlier on. Uh, Shelvin Mack, Kay Felder, no. Nah. Shooting guard, Rod Hood, 4,000. If let fly in a GPP, but he has been so poor. There is no way, even that, that is really appealing salary, there's no way you can go with him. GPP, maybe. Same on DraftKings for him. As well, Shumpert, Korver, Liggins, uh, no no point in those guys. Gordy Haywood is at 7,200. Actually, the matchup is a positive one for him. You might not think it is, but it is. 7,000 on DraftKings, no problem considering him a cash option. Wouldn't really think that his upside's all that high for GPPs, but no problem in cash. LeBronald, $10,000. It's a lot. The matchup is extraordinarily negative, but James is relatively matchup proof except that he's averaging under 50 in the last five. He's averaging 47 in the last three and put up just 39 in the last game. So I'm not sure that I want to spend 10000 on LeBron. 9600 for him over on DraftKings. feel a bit better about that, but I don't really think that this is a great spot for LeBron. Joe Ingles and Joe Johnson shouldn't be looked at. Power forward Derek Favors is still at 4500 Yes, he was limited in the last game in a back-to-back it's not a back-to-back here. He's got two days rest after this. I think I think he gets 30 minutes plus, and at 4,500, I've got no issue with him getting 25 points. One of the better plays that's out there. He's at 5,000 on DraftKings. Again, really think that he can exceed that value fairly comfortably. So I do like Derek Favors here. Kevin Love's good as well. 7,900. The matchup for him is somewhat of a negative, but at 79 and 7,600 on DraftKings, got no problem with Kevin Love really approaching 40 points here, which is obviously going to be good value. Channing Fry, no thanks. Centers go bare at 7,500. Centers do have a real tough time against Cleveland. They get stretched out. Tristan Thompson does some whatever he does to them. Go bare just consistently feels too highly priced. Hated at 7,500 on Fangio. 68 on DraftKings. Yep, now now you're talking. I can get I can get behind that on DraftKings. It, it is still a negative, but at 6,800, then he he can make that value. 75, it, it's it's more GPP zone. 49 for Tristan Thompson, not interested in that. All right, let's move on to the next game. We've got Detroit. They are taking on the Sacramento Kings. The Kings are favored by two, and the total is 206 points here. We want to check on John Lewis' status, who missed or who sat out most of last game with a sore right knee. If he happens to miss time, Johnny Lua, we're going to see more more minutes from uh, Marcus Morris, more Tobias Harris, more Stanley Johnson as well. Maybe a little bit of extra Baines, but I don't really think so. Um, some more Drummond as well at center to stop those lure at uh, center lineups. Point guards, Darren Collison, Ty Lawson, risks associated with both of them. 45 for Collison, 44 for Lawson. They started Collison last game, had Lawson on the bench. They both produced okay results, but nothing that makes me say these guys are a must-own guys. They're definitely GPP type of players. Uh, 47 for Collison on DraftKings and 45 on Lawson. If I'm going one guy, it's going to be Collison. As for Reggie Jackson, he's killing it. He's at 7,100. The matchup here is just a neutral one. He's averaging 42 across his last three, 39 across his last five, no issue with using Reggie Jackson on both sides. I really think that he's a solid play. 7,200 on DraftKings and Ish Smith, no. Shooting guards, Contavious Coyle Pope dropped 39 in the last game. He's at 5,700. I don't think there's any concern with, with using him. Um, I wouldn't be expecting the 39, but I think that he can approach 30 here. On DraftKings, he's at 56. Same. I think that he's got value. I think he's a, a decent-ish cash guy without having a massive amount of trust, but I, I do think that you can use him in, in cash situations. Garrett Temple started the last game. 
He only put up 23 points, but at 4,300, that's all he needs to do. I just don't think that he's a high upside guy, and I don't have trust in him for cash. So that make, means he is a nobody to me. At 4,000 on DraftKings, it's a little bit better. I feel a little bit better about him on DraftKings there, but Contavious Kowal Pope's a very good defender. And if he switched onto Temple at times, or if he guards, matches up with Temple, that could really limit anything that Temple can do fantasy-wise. So not not going to be too keen on uh, on looking at him. Small forwards, Marcus Morris at 4,700, played a lot of minutes and put up 26 points in the last one, which is which gets it done at 4,700. If we hear Lure is out, I'll be okay with looking at uh, Marcus Morris. Rudy Gay is at 7,100 on, on Fangio. That is an okay price, but it's a negative matchup. I will pass on him, except on DraftKings, where he's at 6,500, which is a great price. So love him on DraftKings, dislike him on Fangio. Matty Barnes back to a bench roll, no, and Stan Johnson at minimum salary. Hey, maybe look at Stan in the GPP if Johnny Lure is out, but I reckon you're stretching it. Big men against the Kings put up good numbers. John Lure would be in a fantastic situation at 4,400 if we knew he was going to play. If we find out that he's playing, I think that Lure becomes a GPP option and can go out there and easily exceed 25 points. We just don't know that he's going to play. That's That's the worry. Toby Harris at 6,100. I think that Toby Harris in cash is fine. You can absolutely look at him and go, he will get me 30, um, and especially if Lure is out. On the other side, Anthony Tolliver started, played well the last game. He's at 3,700. Revenge game, perhaps. Put up 26 in that last... Sorry, yeah, 26 in that last game. 3,700. A really, really good play, unless we hear that the Kings are changing their starting lineup again. I don't imagine they will, because they did well against the Warriors. 3,300 on DraftKings. Very, very hard to go past. Centers, Boogie, 10,700. He gets Andre Drummond, but conversely, Andre Drummond gets Boogie. I think this is a, a fine use of $10,000 for Boogie. 8,400 for Drummond, I wouldn't be so keen on. And 10,100 at Cousins over on DraftKings is even more impressive. Uh, Drummond's a guy that I would only consider in GPPs, where I think Boogie can be looked at in both cash and GPP formats. Let's look now at Miami and Golden State. The Warriors are favored by 15.5. The total is 218 points. Josh Richardson is doubtful with uh, his foot issue. Lukey Babbitt is, is probable with the flu. The Warriors have been playing down to opponents. They haven't been able to cover the spread. But you'd have to think in this one that they there is some remnants of a blowout happening. I really don't like anybody in this game at all from a fantasy point of view. When we look at it over on Fangio, there's nothing for me to love. On DraftKings, I'm a little bit more lenient with it. Um, Steph at 8,800. That, that no, I'm just, I'm not, not going to go with Steph. At that. Look, he's been playing a lot better, granted, and played well in the last game. Put up 4,400, which is you know, right on that 8,800 value. And the, the, the chances of him being limited here limits him to a GPP situation. Goran Dragic at 6,900. He's been playing well. The matchup here is okay. I reckon there are better point guards out on the board, though. And at 7,100 on DraftKings, that totally sours me from him. 6,100 for Tyler Johnson's been playing some good numbers, or playing some good numbers in terms of minutes, but it hasn't translated really to DFS points. He's averaging just 29 over the last five, and you want more than that. So he is not someone that I'm overly keen on. Shooting guards, Clay, GPP, 6,400, has not been hitting that value. I would have very little faith in using Clay here, to be honest. Um, Wayne Ellington, Dion Waiters. Ellington probably starts, but you would seriously want to use him strictly as a GPP guy. Small forwards, Kevin Durant is at 10,100 on Fangio. I think that's okay. I would feel okay about using Durant at 10,100. On DraftKings at 9,800, I think it's a great play. Now, he could be limited, but I think that he can maintain $9,800 worth of value even in 31 minutes instead of 35 or 36. So I feel pretty good about him on DraftKings. Scooter Magruder might start, but will do nothing. Power forwards, Draymond at 7,900. I don't like Draymond here. Um, Normally, he's been one I've been a little bit better with in blowout games, but I just don't like the matchup. He's historically not done well against Miami. It is a negative matchup. Nothing seems to be going right for Draymond in this one. He's only averaging 35 across the last five, which is not $7,900 worth anyway. Not not interested. Dave West, no. James Johnson has been playing fantastic. 5600 for Jimmy, but the matchup is horrendous, and that could limit him. 
but I, I think that he absolutely needs to be included in GPP player pools. He's at $6,000 now, though, on DraftKings, and that, that's a pretty tough one to swallow. At center, Zaza has been playing well. He's at $4,000 on Fangio. He's at 35 on DraftKings, averaging 23 across the last three. A positive matchup. He can get 20, which on DraftKings at 3,500 is really, really useful. So I think he comes into GPP consideration. He could get 25, 26 even, especially if the game becomes any sort of blowouty. Hassan Whiteside, out of form, and now playing the Warriors, who are nightmares for centers majority of the time. 8,200 for Whiteside. You're going to have balls to do it, and I would only recommend looking at it as a GPP type of a play. Let's uh, let's wrap this up with the last game of the night, and it is the Portland Trailblazers and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Blazers are favored by one on the road, and the total is 223, so we've got a huge total here. Let's look now at the point guards. As usual, Dame Lillard is well, he's, he's worth a look, but he, he does struggle to be a cash play to me. 8,900, he's averaging under 37 in the last three games, and that's obviously not getting it done at 8,900, but he can easily drop 50. He's at 9,000 on DraftKings, same story. I would look at him as a GPP guy. Love D'Angelo Russell, though. Good matchup. He's playing well. He's at 6,700. In fact, over the last three games, he is outperforming Damian Lillard. So I'll save that $2,200, and I'll take the same points, which is bait. Look, over the last three games, he's at 38. Lillard's at 37. And it's $2,000 difference. And it's not like he's... um, It's not like that um, yeah, Lillard is in a situation where he's got a great matchup and Russell doesn't. They've both got good matchups. So, yeah, really do like Russell here. Geordie Clarkson, nothing outside of a GPP. And even then, how high is his upside? The answer is not very. Shooting guards, Uncle P and Lou Williams, I would have no issue... No, that's not true. I would have no appeal in using those guys. They're just really, really dropping off and putting up donuts. And CJ McCollum is at 8,800. That's getting up there. He dropped 51 in the last game, sure. He's averaging 48 across the last three. Fantastic. But that's a big chunk for CJ McCollum. I will not spend 8,800 on him. On DraftKings at 8,100, I can get behind that. I can totally use him at that, but I still don't have huge amount of faith. Same with Alan Crabb, who dropped a 33 in the last game. He's at 4,200. That came on the back of ludicrous shooting, which will not continue. So I think that Crabb is just a GPP guy. Luol Deng, I don't know what to say about Luol Deng. He's up and he's down. He's at 4,700. Eh, no. Mo Harkless at 4,500. I'm not feeling him either, although the matchup is a really good one here for Mo. I would look at him as a GPP guy. Evan Turner, Brandon Ingram. Um, Ingram, you know what? 3,800 for Brandon Ingram. Playing some extra roles, scoring a little bit more. I think he's a GPP guy. I'm not sure how high his upside is, but I think that he is, he's worth considering. Alfaru Camino at 4,600. He has been playing fantastically. This matchup is great for him. He's gone to 51 on DraftKings, which doesn't totally sour me on him. I think he's one of the better power forward cheap plays out there. Julius Randle at 72. Love it. Big men against the Blazers. Absolutely love that. And look at him at 7,400 on DraftKings. Again, really, really good value for, for Julius Randle. Even though it might seem high, this matchup's great and his form is great. Big men against the Lakers. That's a pretty good one too. Mason Plumley at 6,700. He's killing it. He's averaging 39 across the last five. No problem with using Mason Plumley. He's at 61 on DraftKings. Again, a great option. Averaging 42 in his last three games. Tim Mozgov, 31 points in the last one. He's at 3,200 on DraftKings, and he's at 37 on FanDuel. If you're going in a GPP, there might be a situation where they say, let's play him 30 minutes again. It's happened two out of the last three games, and if that happens, he's going to smash value. We don't know that it's going to happen, but with Larry Nance out, it's happening a little bit more often, and that makes him a useful GPP option. All right, let's uh, finish this off with the picks of the day on what was a very weird day in the NBA. Fangio, Spencer Dinwiddie, 39, D'Angelo Russell, 67, and Johnny Wall, 9,500. Jezza Lamb, 4,000, Brattles Beal, 69, and Jimmy Harden, 11,7. Small forwards, Damari Carroll, 38, Jay Crowder, 5,000, and Kawhi at 8,000. Power forward, Derek Favors, 45, Markeith, 51, and Paulie Millsap, 81. And center, Mason Plumlee, 67, and Boogie, 10-7. On DraftKings, Jaron Grant, 31, Pat Bev, 56, and Kyle Lowry, 82. Shooting guards, Kent Bazemore, 43, Jezza Lamb, 51, and Jimmy Harden, 12-1. Small forward, Damari Carroll, 42, Rudy Gay, 65, and Kev Durant, 98. Power forwards, Anthony Tolliver, 33, Derek Favors, 5,000, and Boogie at 10-1. 
and the centres Zaza at 35 and Mason Plumley at 61. Let's go to the Aussie sides now. Moneyball, Mick Carter-Williams, 4,000, Georgie Hill, 54, and Dame Lillard, 86. Shooting guards, Jeremy Lamb, 4,000, Brattles at 69, and Jimmy Harden at 12. Small forwards, Dougie McDermott, 3,500 minimum. Rudy Gay, 64, and Kawhi at 83. Power forwards, the table, Montrez Harrell, 45, Derek Favors, 5,000, and Kev Love, 8-2. And centers, Zaza Pachulia, 39, Mason Plumley 69, and Boogie at 10-4. On DraftKings, MCW 635, Draft Star, sorry, MCW 6350, Pat Bev 10-0-5-0, Isaiah Thomas 14-2, Jeremy Lamb 6650, Kentavious Caldwell Pope 9450, and Jimmy Harden 21-7-5-0. The small forwards, Tony Tolliver at 5,000, Nick Miritich 9,000, and Jimmy Butler 16-8-5-0. Power forwards, the table at 5,900, Derek Favors 9-2-5-0, and Kevin Love 15-7-5-0. And at center, Amir Johnson, 6650, Mason Plumley, 106, and Dwight Howard, 141. Let's hope everything is okay with Derek Rose. A very weird day in the NBA. Let's go back to some normalcy tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. We are done today, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Joachim Noah.